This is Chris from Houston, and you're listening to Drunkards United. Come on, you irons. Yeah, come on, you irons. Uh, Producer Mel's one for two, but still means she has to do a shot of Malort. That's right. I'm just continuing my run of Malort because it's pretty much all I do. That's, yeah, but the good part is, is there is no Malort in the championship. Uh, fuck you. Yeah, there I think, isn't. I think I'm just going to take a straw, put it in, and just start chugging it like uh, like the uh, videos. Yeah. Let's start the show. Born in the land of Bowie, Maryland. Bred to be a fan of fucking Everton. Punch you in the eye and drink your rye. Sam Houston. Arsenal fans have another Sam. Right day, the fucking Gooner Graham. Smoke of a lord, but straight and short. Sam Graham, hey. Sam Graham. Fucking United! Fucking United! Hello and welcome to the DU Football Show, a completely biased recap of the English Premier League is told by two common American schmucks. I am your host, Sam Houston, and across the way from me, living his best 21 Jump Street Johnny Depp style of life, my co-host, Mr. Samuel Graham. Hair's big today, real big. So's the ego. Yeah, well, yeah I hear you, so's the ego. In terms of the team I support, not the team I play for. I was going to say... Yeah, I, was <laughs> I was quite say, humbled in that one. <laughs> yeah. I I would just like to remind you of all of the old man things you used to tell me all the time, as you, old man, are now on the pitch, discovering Father Time is not forgiving. Oh, I was not... Uh, what, what's the old saying? Um, aging doesn't come without partners or something like that? Yeah, it's exactly. Something similar? Yeah. It's what I've always, what I've always enjoyed about um, whenever you bust my chops about getting old, it's just like... Yeah, well, I've well, time gets all of us. Be like, but... I've turned forty. Now it just waits for you. Yeah, exactly. And I've already <laughs> turned forty, so I can't wait for it to happen to you. So, like, fifty's right around the corner for me. The beauty is, is fifty will be done and dusted, and then when you turn fifty, I'll be there to bust your fucking balls. It'll be great. Yeah. <clears throat> We're recording at the DU Public House, just outside the nation's capital. You can check us out on all podcast platforms. Please be sure to rate, subscribe, review, and share with a footballing friend. Uh, take a second to review on Apple uh, as well. We really want to, it really helps a lot. And definitely hitting subscribe on YouTube. Even if you're listening to us on another platform, subscribing on YouTube really helps a lot. Yes, please. Should you want to chat with us, there is many ways that you can. Sammy, tell the good people how they can get in touch. Absolutely. It is dfootballshow at gmail.com to get in touch via email or at dfootballshow on all of the social medias. Uh, there you will find links to a few other ways that I'll talk about later uh, that you can get in touch, support the show as well. Um, but we do also check our DMs. So um, send us a Facebook request or, or whatever to get into uh, DUFC, which is the closed Facebook group where most of the banter happens. All the memes. Um, yeah, all the memes. All, all the memes. All the memes. And I don't know what happened, but this past weekend, my the meme factory that <coughs> supports my algorithm was mm -hmm. on fucking fire this weekend. I, I just think that it was the entire world because, you know, uh, Russia's in a little bit of hot water right now. I think the rest of the world just went, oh, wait, Russian owner owns Chelsea. Let's fuck with that with yeah, all the memes. That's true. I Until think, the, I think uh, it was a little bit of inspiration this weekend. Until the Harry Maguire own goal. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> they were like, oh, wait a second. 
Old Chelsea's off the hook for about 15 minutes. And Ronaldo scoring a hat trick and Messi <laughs> having a total of two goals. Tom um, Brady standing there like a fucking weirdo on the field after the game. Our uh, our boy, uh, Mr. Uh, LePage uh, from uh, the Wolves uh, in Houston, uh, noting that uh, Connor Cody has one more goal than uh, Messi this year. Yeah. He's very, very happy about that, that is one, pretty too. Good. I love those stats. are very funny. <laughs> Lots of good stuff, man. Yeah. Sam but, and myself both work in the wine and spirit industry and both have a deep, passionate love for all things distilled spirits. So as the red-blooded Americans we are, we've got to have a drink in our hand throughout this show and every single show. We're going to go a little bit of a different route uh, tonight. We, of course, are going to continue with the um, top 20 whiskeys. But first, it is uh, St. Patrick's Day week, and we do need to have some Irish in our lives, don't we, Sam? Yes, so we do. Why don't you tell us about this brand new Irish whiskey from uh, a former employee of mine? Yes, so Whistlepig partnered with uh, a guy uh, in Northern Ireland, um, and they have brought to you Limavady Irish whiskey. It is a single malt, single barrel Irish whiskey. It comes in at 92 proof, um, which I believe makes it the second highest <laughs> proof on offer. Because I think that Bushmills Black is the only one that's 100 proof. Okay, very good. If memory serves. I haven't sold Bushmill for a number of years, so I don't quite remember. But I think Black is a little bit more uh, higher in proof. Anyway, Limavati. Uh, you all right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, producer Mel. <laughs> lost uh, about six inches. <laughs> dropping beers, seat sagging, <laughs> just everything going all over the place. Her, her seat sagging. That's funny. That might be the name of the episode, God yeah. damn it. Nope. Uh, well, it's uh, you should normally chime in with the uh thing. There you go. Now, what was that you said? Nope. Go right back to muting yourself. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. So from their website, uh, venture a hundred kilometers northwest of Belfast. Should I do it in a Northern Irish accent? No, you should do it in a normal accent. Uh, venture a hundred kilometers northwest of Belfast, and you'll find the town of Limavady, tucked away in the Rock va- or Row Valley. Sorry, that's an E. Uh, in coastal climate and fertile land, the perfect setting for Irish whiskey production, which began in 1750 in the Limavady Distillery. At its peak, the distillery is producing 1.2 million liters per annum. Every bottle, a postcard from the town to whiskey drinkers across the world. I like that little line. Uh, of course, nothing worth having comes easy. And in the 1910s, the Limavady Distillery was shuttered uh, during the global downfall of Irish whiskey. The years passed. Experience became memory. Memory became legend. But from that legend sprang an idea, and the new Limavady whiskey was born. Dun, dun, dun. Lovely. <laughs> so here you go. Like I said, it's 92 proof. Um, single grain, or single malt, rather, not grain. Single malt, uh, single barrel Irish whiskey. So give it a go. Lovely. Soft mm-hmm. honey. Really easy drinking. Um, barley shines. Um, literally no smoke to it at all. No. Which, um which I actually appreciate um, considering what we're about to go on to. Yep. Um, this is delicious. <clears throat> oh, it, what would this uh, run you on the shelf? So uh, usually if it's feature price, if you get uh, somebody buying in on it and, and wanting to get rid of it, you're looking at about thirty nine ninety nine on the shelf, but more than likely to be around the 42 to forty five ninety nine. Yeah, it's a great price range. Um, and that's for a single malt. The normally, single malts are normally yeah, it's fucking delicious, isn't it? 60, 70. Yeah, that's really, really wonderful. It's, um, it's there's no smoke to it at all, but there is like a, a roasted oak over the middle. That's mm-hmm. it's woody. Yeah, but, but you, it's not smoky. It's not smoky, but you get like almost like drinking that. For instance, smell that toasted lager I brought in. You kind of have that toasted roasted over the mid palate. Do you get that? I mm-hmm. do. 
I like. It's I almost really like a like creme that. brulee, almost. Yeah, like I, a toasted honey, maybe. A little bit of a banana in the nose. <laughs> I mean, a soft little bit of the sweetness. Listen, I can't deal with this. Okay, on the on uh, sound I'll check. Give you some ripe banana. Ah. On shout whiskey <laughs> Sam like, said ripe like banana. That sounded like a euphemism. Mm-hmm. On <laughs> I'll, I'll give you wrong some ripe show banana. for that. <laughs> No, but him talking about his stiff rod in his neck, and then you bringing up bananas here. Again. You know, earlier. Jesus Christ. That would be DU After Dark. And uh, hey, Graham, how does one get that show? Uh, Patreon.com backslash DU Football Show. But with all this discussion, we may have to turn this fan on. It's getting a little warm in here. Heard okay. getting hot in here. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, lovely package. Uh, the, the cap's a little much for me. It's the, a glass cap. It so. looks good. Well, it's you just a get pain nervous. In the dick to get off. You get nervous that you're going to break it. I know, because it's got this kind of a bulbous head to it, and then it's the glass cap. But um, it's a good looking package. I like it. I think it stands out on the shelf. It's. I like it a lot. Yeah, it tastes great. It's a good price. Yeah. Hearing hearing thirty nine to forty five. That's that's the sweet spot. That's where you want to be. It's also finished in XPX sherry barrels. Oh, okay, very good. So X bourbon first, and then XPS sherry. Lovely. Uh, is the finish to that. Uh, and this comes from uh, uh, the people at Whistle Pig. Yeah. So, by the way, just anybody, just so you know, and I, we've discussed it before, but there may be some new people listening in. A single barrel doesn't necessarily mean. It, it just means it isn't blended. Right. Right. So you could take that that vat of whiskey and then finish it in another barrel. It's still a single. Right. And you could also barrel. cut it with water to proof it down. Right. Right, it's barrel proof would be where it's not cut right. with any water. But single barrel does not necessarily mean <laughs> solitarily one barrel. It means that other barrels are not blended with that. Right, it means it's its own Correct. individual barrel. I just want to make sure people know because it is cool. aged in two types of wood. But the one vat of liquid that went into first barrel is the same vat of liquid that went into second barrel. Right. Done. Very good. Now, um... What's uh, availability on this? Is it pretty readily available for the market? Yeah, so it, it just came out about a month ago, mm-hmm. and we didn't get a super amount in to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, it is available. I do have some in stock, but it is it has already gone out of stock once, and it was about 11, 12 days before we got some in again. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's so, to be, the reason why I asked that is because it being a single barrel, you're doing individual barrel each time for bottling, so that can slow down the cogs a little. So absolutely, I would say if you see it, buy it, and if you like it, go. Like even if you have like a little bit of it and you like it, go buy that second bottle to have that backup. That's you know. But the other thing too is with a single barrel, you're going to run into an issue. Slight differences. Batch to batch. Yeah, there will be slight differences. Right. So you may not like necessarily batch to or it may right. just not be your speed. And then <laughs> but it should be something that you revisit. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing maybe a small release of pints in this mm-hmm. or something. Or maybe a small release of minis with each barrel. Mm, to and be able to have like, different. Yeah, well let me try it before I go buy another bottle of it. Mm-hmm. You know? But I, I don't know. I love it. I love it. I think it's I think uh, it's delicious. It's a great little whiskey. Yeah. It's got it checks all the marks for a single malt, particularly an Irish single malt that yep. I look for. Um, a lot of Irish single malts will try to copy 
their uh, brother across the water in Scotland, and I don't think they need to. Correct. I think they need to be their own thing. Um, that's why I've always applauded like a brand like Glendalock because they always kind of do something new and odd and interesting and different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I appreciate that with this as well. This is a it's a fantastic whiskey. So why don't we go ahead and get into the next whiskey then, Sammy? Yes, absolutely. So we have Compass Box. This is your Whiskey Advocates uh, uh, 2021 Top 2020. Top 20 of 2021. There you go. God damn it. There's too many 2020s. And this is number what? This is number nine. Very good. Uh, Compass Box, no name number three. Uh, This was rated a 93 by the panel. Uh, It is 48.9% by volume. Um, which my mathletes will tell me is 97.8 proof um, there. And then it should run you about 130 to 135 bucks. Obviously, again, anything on the list, expect a little bit of an upcharge on top of that. Uh, your blurb today comes from Johnny McCormick on uh, Whiskey Advocate's Tasting Panel. He says, The third installment of Comp- uh, Compass Box's gothic exploration of smoke or the whiskeys that shall not be named builds upon their bewitching sequence of distillery duets, pairing Ardbeg with Coila, then Coila with Talisker. Blender James Saxon invited Lefroig and Bowmore to dance for number three. Uh, underpinned by the familiar Compass Box Foundation malts, there's a charming balance of sweetness and peat as the hearty coastal smokiness of Lefroig is quelled by the ripe tropical fruitiness of Bowmore. The mouthfeel is satisfyingly creamy, with orange fondant, chocolat, honey, I don't know honey in French, mm-hmm. and apricot flavors, tightly bound together by tendrils of smoke. Interesting use of the word tendrils. Tendrils. Yep. <laughs> both, both of us are thinking of another show that we uh, know that again. tendrils uses another word behind it that and is for, for DU After Dark. Yes. That definition, DU After Dark once again. <laughs> If you're watching on the live stream, you know exactly what's going on. Yep. All right. Go ahead. That's it. <clears throat> um, um, okay. So it's the no-name whiskey, but then I'm looking at the bottle, and it says the name of the four whiskeys that are in it, but it's a no-name whiskey. Well, they didn't rename it. Okay. <laughs> um, you're so not a fan of this. <laughs> I have been told for a very, very, very long time that John Glazer is this um, brilliant savant at making whiskey. I've been told time and time again that Compass Box is amazing. I've I've sold it. I've sold against it. I've seen it out in the marketplace, and I see it on the top 20 every fucking year. I do not like Compass Box one bit. I'm never impressed. It's a good enough whiskey. I get why it's here, but for me, fuck off. It's boring. In it's my a opinion, big P- it's a big peaty whiskey. Yeah, it's boring. It's, it's, over, it's, it's iodine, it's overpriced, and it's boring. I, it's it's decent. It tastes fine, but it's overpriced. I'd rather have since this has Lafroig in it. I'd rather have the barrel proof Lafroig that we had from two years ago that was on the top twenty. The uh, Caracas, I want to say it was called. Yeah, fair enough. I'd rather have that. Um, I, I'm I'm over Compass Box. I'm fucking over it. Like I said, I see it everywhere. There's a bajillion different marks because, again, John Glazer's some fucking wicked savant that we're all supposed to fucking bow down and uh, kiss his ass. I'm I'm over Compass Box. I'm fucking over it. I don't like it. It's it's fine. It, it's fine for people who like 
Pete, this is you know what you know what exactly what this fuck this whiskey is. It's it's the fucking <laughs> it's the hopheads fucking uh, version of whiskey. Ooh, Those idiot hopheads who go really butt crazy over over the top hop, which has no other nuance other than hop. Right? It's all finish. It's all pine. It's all bite. And you hear these idiots go on and on and on for days about how amazing they are. Yes, we got this double IPA with these sprig hops from Canada, still with the side of other hops, and they dry hopped it. Then they hopped it one more time. It's a hop bomb, man. And I. Is that good? And I feel like so the people, and I feel like the people that like Compass Box are those type of people, that they just, I just, I, I'm gonna keep fucking yelling, <laughs> Sam. Please go ahead. I, I don't like it at I, all. I will say that the water helped it a little. Yeah. I get a little bit I more agree. orange out of it. Um, as as he talked about, I get a little bit of the other flavors. Mm -hmm. None of them pronounced enough to do anything different from any other peated whiskey for me. There are better peated whiskeys that I'd rather drink yeah. on its own. Said it's a bit overpriced, yeah, and it's a little boring. <laughs> and and That's again, it. if somebody offered me this, I'd drink it. It's fine. Oh, I drink it as but well. It's but it's fine. That's would the never, problem. I would never buy this bottle. That's a dig right there. I will not buy this bottle. It's fine. Fine is never a good thing. Now name. there is not as much subcontext as when a woman says fine. <laughs> nah, Let's start very there. True. No. Let's start there. <laughs> I have fine. No, fine is never. I hate it when people look at my designs and go, it's fine. No, um, it's an insult. Yeah. I just. Uh, it's a basic I'd, whiskey. It's passable. That's it. It's boring. It's basic. It's, yeah. it's. I'd rather it. have a Bowmore. I'd rather have a Laphroaig. I'd rather have, you know. Well, no, I'd rather we, have the Wee Beastie. Uh, the Wee Beastie. Um, we just had a Port Charlotte a little while ago. That's, that's another one of the darlings. Uh, the, the tasting panel at Whiskey Advocate, they love Big Pete. And they have just a complete love affair for both Compass Box and for the um for for um the Brooklodic Distillery. They have can, a, just a complete love affair for them. Can I throw out completely unfounded, baseless opinion? Sure, go for it. But relevant, That's our show. But relevant, <laughs> fair. The whiskey, uh, whiskey advocate tasting panel, mm -hmm. uh, in footballing terms, would be the uh, FIFA committee that a World Super World Cup. <laughs> Yeah, they just accept bribes and yeah, yeah, yeah. do whatever you want. <laughs> Heard allegedly. Saturday, Saturday, we're on we're on YouTube. Saturday. All right, Mr. Graham, what else should we do? Uh, drink and accept bribes responsibly. Yeah, because I won't be drinking much more of this, so I'll be able to be responsible just fine. Thank you. Jesus Christ! That took some efforts. Well, Glenn Cairns are very fragile. So Gile. Yeah. Satire. Regile. <laughs> Must be important. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> is it a leg? It most certainly is. <laughs> Brilliant. How about That's that? It. I'm done. Bye, guys. A movie reference that Graham gets. How That's about funny. that? It's the sign of the apocalypse. <laughs> it most certainly is. Um, you know what else is the sign of the apocalypse? Is when you have a show completely written out, and then Crystal Palace take four points off of City in one fucking calendar year. Yeah. One season. That's wild. Yeah, in one city. In one season. Sorry. Crystal Palace nil. Man City nil. You know what um, Palace did? It was the perfectly executed game plan that didn't result in being scored on unlike Everton. Yeah. Pretty much. The other piece of that, too, is I will say, 
Palace didn't manage seven shots. Palace had chances. Yeah. Now yeah. only one of those shots was on target, but there were a few that were close. You think of Elise's outside of the left boot mm -hmm. early on. Um, right at the end, um, uh, Connor Gallagher he didn't put yeah. one very far from going in uh -uh. At, in the ninety-first minute. Like it was damn close. Definitely, absolutely. It was. Now Palace only had twenty-six percent possession. And that was the plan. That was so, the plan. Go ahead, go ahead, City. Oh, you want you want to hold on to the ball? Great. And they did exactly what Everton had done a few weeks back, which was pressure them further up the pitch, not deep in their own box. Correct. You know, and now, just, it was it was nine hundred and twenty five touches to Palace four hundred thirty eight, so double wow. plus some. Yeah, and then the passes. Listen to this. These are completed passes in the game. <laughs> Manchester City had 747 passes in the game. Right. Crystal Palace had 259. Wow. They almost trebled them. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's wild. But, That's fucking wild. But you know what it matters? The fucking scoreboard. 32 clearances mm -hmm. for Crystal Palace. It was insane. I mean, City were turning the screw over and over again. But like you said, it wasn't like Palace didn't have chances. They, they did... You know, press from time to time. They did pick up the ball in a couple of promising positions uh, with Elise and with with Zaha. They just couldn't finish. Yeah. Um. You know, couldn't really even test Ederson. Like I said they only managed the one shot on target. I think they maybe hit a post. They made him fucking nervous. I can but tell they, you that. Oh fuck yeah, they, they did. made him nervous because when they got opportunities, it was numbers against uh, City. They they oh, yeah. and they turned it on quick. And um, you know, credit to players like Alisi and and also uh Zaha for getting back and playing in position and doing I mean, that is thankless work when your job is just like for Zaha, it's like making sure Kyle Walker stays in check. Yeah. Like, but he did it because normally that's what breaks open the game when you're worried all about those that midfield front and attacking front, it's suddenly Cancelo or Walker that makes something happen and these guys, they 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 did the thankless work, man. They did oh, the thankless fucking work. So I I just did the math. Actually, City have drawn four this year. They've lost three. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that makes two out of seven. They drop points to Palace. Mm -hmm. Right. That is twenty eight point five percent of their games where they drop points in are to Crystal Palace. Yeah, no shit. Almost third. Almost a third of all of the games that they drop points in are to Palace. Yep. Isn't that crazy? And it's insane. It's everybody's got a bogey team. It was like you guys in United mm -hmm. a couple years ago. Yeah. In the Tim Cahill kind of era. Yeah. Uh before David Moyes took over there. Yeah. Um at, at United rather. Mm -hmm. Uh where for whatever reason you all just had the number of Manchester United. Fellaini scored, you know, how right. many times, all that kind of shit. Did a three three, <laughs> just kept taking points off of them. Right. Right. Now um for City, this now means they are only four points ahead of Liverpool with a with Liverpool with a game in hand, which is against you in this midweek. Should they win, they then find themselves just a mere one point behind City. And they play City early on in April, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um so really Liverpool and, and they have the goal differential. Both teams have it in their own hands, right? Mm -hmm. This is the stage where that game means everything. Even if <laughs> Even if Liverpool lose to us, they're still only a point back, right? Or two or uh, uh, four points back, rather. right? Which means they as just long wouldn't. As they could just go win. They just wouldn't control everything, right? But they go um, and beat City, 
then all they have to do is wait for City Correct. to slip again. Exactly. Which, frankly, City's been prone to do. They could 100% do. Absolutely been prone yep. to do. Kind of the last thought here. Can we finally say Palace has arrived? I, th- I think I've been leaning towards that all season, just haven't been willing to say it out loud. But I think Patrick Vieira is doing wonderful things there. He, he in one summer, really, has lowered the age profile of the squad. He has got them playing better defense. He's got them playing more coherently overall. Well, not really better defense, but he's got the defense younger, and then the new guy signed on to how to play defense. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's not just Roy Hodgson's version of defense that gets you a point. It's defense with a purpose. Right. It's, you know, collect the ball, be calm, spray it out wide, play it over the top to somebody, don't just clear it. Right. You know, play it out wide to your outside back, bring it back inside to your center midfielder, bring it back out again, and play these these kind of long one-twos and this one-and-two-touch <laughs> transition. He's turned them into a defense with a purpose team. And, wingers, and it's helped them go on and score Wingers goals. and strikers be ready to go on a dime. Be ready to go on a dime. Quick quick transition right into play. And um, uh, just write the check for Connor Gallagher. Yeah, you have right, to. Just write the fucking well, check. You know what? That's one of the players that I think could be snapped back up by Chelsea because... They're not allowed to spend any as money. As of right now, they're not allowed to spend any money. Well, <laughs> as of right now, they're about 15 days away from going into administration. Right. Because right. they can't access the bank accounts. Right. Because they're all owned by Roman fucking Abramovich. Yeah, precisely. So, trouble. Yeah? Yeah. And they're not allowed to sign anyone new. And they have Rudiger, they have Cesar Espilicueta, and they have somebody else that I can't remember out of contract at the end of the year. Yeah. They're going to need the help. Jorginho is not getting any younger, really. Mm-hmm. He's already relatively immobile. Um, Conte's not really an attacking midfielder. He's more now of a, the best box-to-box midfielder mm-hmm. in the world. So you're going to need that number 10 because Mason Mount hasn't really been fit all season. Yeah. When he has been fit, he hasn't been firing for real. Um, he can also be farmed down on the left, farmed down on the right, uh, and fill a number of different roles. So you could still include him in the team if you need to. Conor Gallagher is kind of the perfect number 10. At the yeah, moment, might be might be the spot, might right? And if they well can't the sign anyone new, it's not a bad idea. Now Pulisic's been there, but who's to who's to say if Tuchel leaves? Because there are rumors of that now. Mm-hmm. If Tuchel leaves, who comes in? <coughs> True. What and how do they view Christian Pulisic? How Man, do they stop view... talking about Chelsea? They get talked about. I'm enough. just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. It, it's in terms of Palace, <coughs> that player in particular is a scary proposition because of what's going on in the world, and ultimately snowballing down to Chelsea Football Club. Excellent. So final question, and then on to the next segment. Um, do you think Liverpool overtakes City? <sighs> yes. Yep. The reason I say that, and not because of Wednesday coming up either, the reason I say it is because City is so fucking focused on the Champions League, and now that PSG are out of it, the only team they really have to worry about <coughs> mm-hmm. is Bayern Munich. Well, uh, worry about Liverpool too. They're still in it. Yeah, but Liverpool's won that, and City wants it, and City lost in a final last year, and City, you know. And I think there's a lot going on with Chelsea. Obviously, yeah. I think they're going to be too distracted. I think they're going to be too worried about staying in the competition so the company can function. So I would tend to think that Liverpool would go for like a domestic treble over winning the Champions League this year. Uh, I hate to uh, admit it, but I tend to agree with you. 
the final spot for Champions League is hitting up, is heating up, as a few clubs have had massive rebounds. Manchester United 3, Tottenham 2, Arsenal 2, Leicester 0, West Ham 2, Villa 1. Um, Ronaldo makes history in the most, I mean, honestly, if if we wanted to compare this to another sport, this is very LeBronish of him, you know? Sits out a Fuck game, off. hips aren't doing well, then comes on, gets a fucking hat trick, carries the team, kind of a, almost in a way of like to look at the coach and go, okay, it's cute. You think, he, hey, Thor Ragnarok, you think you coach the team. You don't. You can sit down. I got this shit, okay? We're going to go ahead and win now. I think uh, uh, Thor said in this post-match something <laughs> along the lines of, maybe we need to change his preparation for every game. Like, uh, yeah, he's 36 fucking years old. Of course you do, you idiot. Uh, it was an awesome game, first of all, to, to watch. Oh, this God, is yeah. what the primetime game is supposed to be. Oh, yes. This is end-to-end stuff. Some comedy relief. Thank you, Harry Maguire, as usual, for providing that. Well, it had a story to it as well. Yeah. It felt it felt like a drama unfolding. But it had it had some good football in it. It had some twists and turns. It had, you know, a somewhat controversial penalty um, until you saw the replay, and then you realized it was not controversial at all. No, not uh, one bit. It really did have. It had everything except the player getting sent off. Honestly, yeah. It's really too bad that I hated both teams involved in it. Yeah. <laughs> Almost yeah. equally. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Ronaldo's hat trick was brilliant. It was it, it was wild, man. Eight hundred and sixth and eight hundred and seventh goals, I believe, mm-hmm. in professional football, uh, yep. overtaking the Iranian guy whose name escapes me at the moment. Right. Uh, but for the accepted most goals ever uh, in a professional footballing career, yeah, is um, Ronaldo. And only an asshole would have them on their bench this week. I forgot to take him off. That's terrible. I was so busy, I forgot to take him off because he was injured the week before. And and then one of her defenders got <laughs> subbed out for another defender because you have to have at least three defenders on. So, yeah. so those I'm still winning, but fuck. Right. That sucks. Yeah. But they, so now you purists out there are going to agree with everything that just was said because rule, them's the rules. Yeah, right? exactly. You um, fantasy lads are going to say no, but what about Pele? Right. So, different era, right? Santos, being one of the most famous clubs in the world who Pele played for, would oftentimes go on tours, essentially, where the games were competitive Mm -hmm. because this was prove yourself against the Brazilian lads. Right. Right. They were technically friendly matches. They were not official competitive matches, which means those goals did not count to anyone except Pele and Richard Keyes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. So they are not included. Now, apparently, the Guinness Book of World Records recognizes them, oh. and that's what people are saying. But FIFA is the ultimate decider of these things, and they say that Ronaldo is... Well, is the all time um, men's leading goal scorer. Also, all time goal scorer does not equal greatest ever. Um, I would still say that that title sits between Pele and Diego. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get And Ronaldo. Ronaldo and Messi are a distant third and fourth. I didn't. A distant third and fourth, personally. I didn't mean that the greatest. Yeah. I meant greatest yeah. ever goal scorer. In yeah, terms yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, no, 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 I got you. I got you on that. The, I just the, I wanted to throw in that personal caveat. But the 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 manner in which 
Pele and Diego Maradona, especially, and and kind of together, overlapping for a while. Yeah. Reinvented football and brought it into the modern era. The way in which they interacted with the ball, the way in which they interacted with their team, <coughs> paved the way for people like Ronaldo to exist. Right. And Messi. Yeah. Right. Well. I mean, basically, if you want to think about it, I know Maradona did coke, but hear me out. It's kind of like what heroin did for rock and roll. Her punk. <laughs> Everything was pretty basic, and then slash. You know what I'm saying? True. Very true. Love it. Um, Kane keeps scoring for uh, Spurs despite not being happy, or who Guy's knows what the so lame. Yeah, he just knows how to put. But the ball it's so the dumb. He's got so, 20 goals this year, quietly, between all competitions. He's got 20 goals. I know, and he didn't score for like three months, the first yeah. three months of the season. Yeah, exactly. But you think about you think about the the Klinsman slide. Yeah. You think about the Robbie Keane tuck and jump up. Right. You know, celebrate. Iconic Spurs forward celebration. Berbatov looking like he has a pulse because the rest of the time he didn't. Right. And then Harry Kane jumps and does this. There's like a major pain finger point. Yeah. It's like, fuck off, mate. I was just going to talk something. about other, other celebrations. Canceled on kicking people in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shit like that. Yeah. Driving a car drunk after a Bolton game. Hey, to be, I mean, to be, to be, to be Cahill <laughs> punching the corner flag like a boxer at least, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's perfect. He always just goes, <laughs> it is kind of lame. It's so lame. It's so boring. That's and why he's a mouth-breathing twat. Speaking of mouth-breathers... Harry Maguire cannot get out of Harry Maguire's way. Way to set it up and I knock it down. That is absolutely brilliant. He didn't need to make the tackle. <laughs> no, the ball was, the guy was, was going to be offsides. Yeah. It was going to be offsides. If he now, didn't touch the ball, ball would have been offsides. Shithousery. I prefer Jamie Vardy's kind of relatively subtle version of shithousery where he does quivering lips and he just fired your manager. Well, and he does it to fans. He doesn't do it to other yeah. players. Uh, What's his name? Sergio Romero, is that yeah. his name? Got directly in the face of Harry Maguire, laughed at him it while went, he was still ah! sitting on the ground. <laughs> it is brilliant, but I I do like Jamie Vardy's brand a little bit better. Uh, it's it's kind of, um, it, it, it's funny because we were talking about this off off air um, before, it, or actually over the weekend. Maguire's a good defender. Like, he just might be having the worst season in his entire career. And unfortunately, it's with the team you can't afford to have your worst season ever in your career. Because he's a good defender. There's a reason why he is immediately penciled into the England squad. He's fucking good. But this year, he cannot get out of his own way. If there's a mistake to be made... Harry Maguire finds a way to make it. Yeah, but then he does weird shit, like head a ball in in the Euros and go slide into the corner flag with his fingers in his ears. I can't hear Just, you. He well, cannot get out of his own way. It's bad. Really bad. It's bad. Um, Let's move on. Gunners continue with professional wins, man. Just getting Ws. So this, this usually we use that term for when a team is loads better than another one, um, but they don't take their chances and they win 2-0 and walk out of, you know, Norwich. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and they, they didn't play their best stuff, but they went and got a job done. <laughs> so this was like a very good version of that because there was still some good football. Aaron Ramsdale was needed. Yep. Um, made, made a brilliant there save. There weren't brilliant save. a ton of chances to be had for Arsenal, but they took the ones that were necessary. Um, Partey with a great header, uh, mm -hmm. and it was a Partey at, uh, at the Emirates. 
with that <laughs> hear your dad jokes. Uh, and then a couple minutes later, what a fucking strike it was. Got the ball out from under his feet, um, off the, the little layoff, and cranked it to the upper 90, hit the <coughs> angle itself. Very mm-hmm. unfortunate. He wasn't at the double within like 23 minutes mm-hmm. or something. Lacassette gets a goal. God, needed well, him to get a goal. So he's never gone 10 games in an Arsenal short without a goal. Okay. Well, it was good. Yesterday would have been the 10th. He needed it. He needed yep. it. I mean, it's not. Uh, he didn't need it. He's been playing very well. He's been playing brilliantly. But, but to shut up, you know, the most yeah. the most supportive fan base in the world next to Manchester United supporters, <laughs> Arsenal supporters, the man needed to score a goal, and it was good to see him get one. Well, it was also a, a brilliant fucking finish. Casper Schmeichel guessed the right way, but the power and precision of the strike took it away from him. Uh, Gabriel Martinelli played very well, mm-hmm. um, which I just saw my uh, my notes actually autocorrected it to Martinez. <laughs> Heard. Brilliant. Freudian slip. That's your guy. You know. yeah. <laughs> we'll get on to them. Thanks. Notes. Microsoft Word. Uh, here's, here's one for you. Not expected but Jacques and Partey are starting to form a really good partnership yeah who would have fucking thought well Jacques is a decent footballer like I he he didn't live up to the captaincy and that's fine but Jacques is a decent footballer he's just got a mad moment in him and that showed itself that showed itself in his game yeah. he caught the fucking ball before it went out of bounds yeah did you end up seeing that? Yes, I did. Yeah. He he goes to catch the ball and throw it in. The ball went out of fucking bounds yet. So, <laughs> hand, handball. Yep. And even, uh, was it Pereira or whoever <laughs> was about to take the free kick, like, didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you, what's the whistle for? What's going on here? But it's just like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and you expected when that happened for him to, like, take his anger to the referee out on someone else by kicking them. So, which he didn't do, which was good. So the bigger point of of me mentioning the two of them working well together has been the big kind of criticism of Arsenal has always been that baby Barcelona ability to play very beautiful football and having a great number they 10, have no spine. but zero spine. Suddenly now, defense is solid. There's depth. Next man up is doing a good job. Like, you know, in the case of your your one um you know tyranny's been out a few times also um forgetting his name uh Tomiyasu. yes the korean uh japanese yeah oh, japanese sorry is he's he's out so cedric soros step right in like, don't be don't be mark noble i will not be mark noble <laughs> i saw that one too all the memes all the memes um <clears throat> but for you guys it's it's next man up yep. and it's and it's working we finally have a little bit of depth well and and your balls dropped. You actually seem to have some guts and some gumption. Not red hot, get a red card, act like a fool, which is what you had been doing. Seems like you're finally starting to get some mental strength and stability, and that can only benefit you. Absolutely. And so um, there's three points I want to make before we have to move on. Yeah. Um, it was uh, one of the pundits I listened to on uh, on SiriusXM, and that also has a podcast uh, that that I thought were brilliant. We've complained for about the last, not complained necessarily, but we've used as an excuse for the last eighteen months as Arsenal supporters. They're young, they're young, they're young. Youngness, youth is probably a better way to say youngness mm-hmm. breeds inconsistency. That's just what happens. How do you gain that consistency? Learning. 
How do you learn? You fucking play. Yeah. You get the experience, right? It, <laughs> this is on-the-job training, basically. And they're doing it very fucking well. Very, number one. Very well. Number two, Arteta, even when it's been difficult to do, Arteta has gotten rid of the naysayers to him. <laughs> so everyone that is left at the club is all pulling in the same direction now. Right. Which is Which huge. is very fucking true. You had Ozil playing Fortnite with his, you know, fucking bullshit, right? Streaming and, and stuff. You had Aubameyang sulking, mm-hmm. getting 14 touches a game, but he's our fucking captain. Like, that, you know, that kind of stuff. He's gotten rid of people that did not buy in, yep. right? And now everybody at the club is pulling in the same direction. They're all <laughs> doing what Arteta wants them to do. And now it's coupled that with we now have experience. We have the adversity of having Aubameyang do fuck all in a game. We had the adversity of Ozil doing fuck all in a game when he was fit. And now we've come through all that. And the kids, Xhaka getting a bunch of stupid reds. Your kids getting stupid reds. Right, so you have that adversity, and we've come through it, and look where we are. So now uh, everybody... Your goalie not wanting to play for you anymore, and you having to bring in a new goalie. Yeah. Now everybody is bought in, and they're all helping to push the car up the hill. Yeah. And it's fucking working. Yeah, it is. Right? And the third thing, um, (laughs) which was a a trope on this very same show that I was listening to, uh, that I didn't really even think about, haven't gotten much much thought to, Arsenal are probably one of the most attractive squads, including management, in the country. Oh, they're damn good-looking people. Yeah. They are good-looking people. I'll give you that one. Uh, Others mentioned were Chelsea. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not including the manager because he looks like a fucking serial killer. Right. (laughs) But the squad as a whole is attractive. And then Everton, and simply for Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Frank Lampard. Well, no. Oh, oh, you forgot the most important one. I didn't forget anything. These are the words of other people. Oh, they're so wrong. Andres Gomez. I was oh, going to say, exactly. I was gonna say yeah. they're attractive only on the terms I know. of Andres Gomez. <laughs> and then everybody else brings it up a little. But, oh, it's definitely, it's Andres Gomez. Villa, obviously, were also mentioned. Uh, Steven Gerrard not being an unattractive man. But uh, Douglas Louise, Matty Cash, you I know. Mean, Villa Fox. It's Watkins, a well-established trait. all right. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Steven Gerrard, hottest manager in the prem right now. Fuck off. Um, it's me, Color Ted, and you know it. <laughs> <laughs> Even my wife doesn't give a shit, and she's like, look at that guy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so second hottest. It's Arteta. It's, it's Arteta. It's I said second hottest. <laughs> it's a good thing uh, Scotty Parker's in the championship league. That's true. That's fair. Um, That's fair, too. <laughs> it's got that, uh, like, American dad chin. So, Scotty uh, Parker does. <laughs> Mr. Graham, last thing, and I wanted to just be very brief. I'm just going to throw this at you. Is now those games in hand, while daunting, there's a chance at third. There's a chance at moving up because yeah. those games in hand are Liverpool, who's playing well, but you got they looked a fa- little leggy. You got to fancy your chance against them. And then the other one is against Chelsea, and Chelsea, while finding results. Looks like he could be a sinking ship with the with all the outside elements coming in. It's there for the taking. Do you think finally now your team, after starting the season in last place, like what, a month into the season, do you feel like this team can find themselves in third place and within a year be challenging for titles? Yes. I do think we will be challenging in the next couple of years. <laughs> Absolutely. And Excellent. I would give it probably two, but yeah. Give us a season in the Champions League, right? Sign some talent. 
they're gonna need time to bet in. It always happens. Yeah. Um, and then yes, bang. Yeah. Um, uh, but what I will say is where the rest of Arsenal nation were wanting to light the ship on fire with um, <coughs> us starting 0-3, and I right. told you that it was Chelsea City, and the Brentford game was a, a bit of an outlier, obviously. Right. Well, you also didn't have anybody to play in that Brentford well, game. Well, we were missing five out of the 11, right? One of which was our brand-new center back. And their first game in the Prem in their brand-new stadium in with fans history. Yep. in 70 years in the top, like, yeah. Yep. All the stars aligned. It was they you were, were completely fucked. against this. They they, they could have played fucking Liverpool, and they yeah, did was, play Liverpool to a three three draw just a couple of weeks later. Precisely. But so we were the unfortunate recipients of that. We also had Bert Leno remember started that game who didn't give a fuck. Then you had the the city result. Then you had the Chelsea result, and everybody wanted to scuttle the ship. And I said, Nah, you know what? We're going to be fine. Just needs time to bet in and let the COVID rip through the squad, get it over with, and then we'll be good. Twice. Right, COVID twice, <laughs> but where flip side, our run in for the last few months of the season isn't horrendous. The games in hand are kind of bad, right? But the rest of the games we have aren't bad, and we're the ones <coughs> in the spot. Yeah, we have the games in hand on other people. Yeah, so we are actually in a good way right now. The, the destiny is still in our own hands. In those in those games in hand, with it's Spurs, Chelsea, and Liverpool. Come out of that with six points, you're in a really good fucking place. Come out of that place. with four points, we're fine. You're in a re- well, four points, you're fine for fourth place. Six points, you're oh, yeah, talking yeah, yeah. third. Talking third, yeah, absolutely. You're talking third. But also, it might not. It might be out of Chelsea's control. If they go into administration, they may actually get a points deduction. Yeah, absolutely. They haven't decided how the government's going to handle that yet, right. uh, or the FA is going to handle that because the government got involved. All right, so we had a bunch of extra games, and we have two more whole fucking segments to do. So let's move on to uh, uh, Villa and West Ham. Uh, we both said that this was going to be probably one of the more entertaining games of the weekend. And it was. And it was. I went back and watched the whole game. I didn't watch the highlights. I watched the whole game. Um, I wish I was back here in the office watching that game with my Aww. wife as opposed to uh, sitting on the couch watching the debacle that was my boring mess of a I match. I did keep running out there and giving you updates. <laughs> Yeah. So which I heard you kept telling her to fuck off. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. yeah. There was a lot of that. <laughs> I'm very sad that during our halftime update, uh, we started, we went into halftime nil-nil. And during our update, I said, scoring's about to happen. This game is going to be 2-1. I was right. It just wasn't mm-hmm. in my favor. No. It's, okay. It was a great game. There's only one thing to talk about. Oh, There's only one thing God, to talk it about. was so touching. Yarmulenko. Sam, take it away. Yarmulenko. Yep. We have to talk about Yarmulenko. I mean, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's 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 the fucking story. Hold on. Can I just go ahead and do my Malort shot in his honor? Yes. Thank you. I mean, I, I got nothing, but can't. I think I posted in uh, the DU football show group, uh, hashtag can't be mad at that. It was emotional. It was beautiful. And honestly, if it wasn't for the Villa defense, he would have had two more. Absolutely would have. If it wasn't for both goalkeepers. Cheers to that passion, man. If it wasn't for those goalkeepers in general, this game would have finished 6-5. to five. Mm. There were that many chances in this oh, game. Oh, yeah. Definitely but, was. Yarmolenko's was the pick of the bunch for the goals as mm-hmm. well, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the touch, quick feet, and snapshot with the outside of the left boot caught the entire Villa defense off guard, including yeah. Emmy Martinez. And it was it was brilliant. It was just absolutely fucking brilliant. 
Yeah. But he um his his, his teammates also allowing him to kind of look to the fans and have room before yeah. before they all in Well, the other thing is when, when he came on the field, everybody went nuts for him and yeah. to the point where he mm-hmm. even clapped to the fans coming onto the yeah. field. Yeah. So a couple of things have come out about it which which before <laughs> weren't really public knowledge. Apparently, he was he, we all knew he was given compassionate leave by the club, right? That's all we knew. Mm-hmm. Apparently that is uh, hard to say. Apparently that compassionate leave was to try to arrange for his wife and kids to get out of the fucking country. Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Which they arrived in the UK about three days before this game happened. <coughs> so he was reunited with his wife and children. Uh, mm-hmm. And which is amazing, obviously. And thank God they were able to do that. And um, he trained for a couple <laughs> days. Then they give him a couple of days off. That was a part. Apparently, part of the compassion leave was yeah. it was like, "Hey, how My do you feel? Not in it. How, right. how do you feel today? Do you want to come out and run? Yeah, I want to run. Exactly. Midway through the practice, um, Dude, just no, I'm not feeling it. it coach seemed like he took all of his frustration and anger, and I think anger. It was passion. He had four breakaways. Mm. Like that man was determined to take some control of his life out there on the pitch. Mm. It it was. It was powerful. It was powerful. And it was the purity of soccer because soccer, football. It was the purity of the game because when he scored, not a single villa person was upset. No. And it was it was for all the and I kinda wanna couple this in with Christian Erickson and his performance a little bit. I know we're mm-hmm. gonna talk about this game later. But we talked about it last summer and, and coming back um in the new season when we first started talking about what happened over the summer. Right. And this was the antithesis to the moment Christian Erickson collapsed, where soccer is our safe space. Football is our escape from the problems that we have every week and, and all this kind of stuff. And yes, societal problems creep in, racism, other things. We get that. The shows the support for Ukraine and this, the shows for Erickson, that's wonderful. It, but it's a, it's a touching point. When the fucking whistle goes, it's about the football. Right. right? Yeah. And that that is a business. Well, it's but import- it's like it's our escape. It's all of right. ours. Escape. Everybody that fills those stadiums. This is the way to get away from the bullshit. Yeah. Right. And when death creeped into our safe space with Christian Erickson, mm-hmm. we all felt violated. Yeah. It was yeah. terrible. This was the opposite to that. To see how much shit had affected this human being over the last couple of weeks, three weeks, almost a month mm-hmm. now, I guess. To see him get back to football and be able to escape for a minute, but then to have all that release of that, the buildup of that emotion because he hasn't been able to escape happen in one second. Right. Bang. Dropped to his knees, pointed to the skies, invisible tears. I mean, it took Mm -hmm. a good two minutes for the game to get restarted because he just was... Walking like I am today after my first game in four yeah. years yesterday, yeah. where it just so just like so gingerly and and slowly got back to it and wiping his te- his eyes with his his shirt and all that kind of stuff, wiping his tears away, and his his team supporting him and he, I mean even the Villa players like nobody was now hung their heads about it. Yeah. Everybody was like, oh fuck. <laughs> 
it's yeah. John like I mean, I, I, it's, I, it's if, if I was on the pitch for the other team, I'd go over and hug them. I'd Absolutely. Be like, well, oh, I, mean, they I might bet have. you they wear the same goddamn colors. I yeah. bet you there were hugs back in the locker room and everything after yeah. that. For I mean, sure. Nobody, what it was a take the emotion out of it. It was a fucking great goal. I mean, that was yeah. a cracker. Oh, absolutely. Of a kit. Also, yeah, hundred percent. By the way, I hate that I just said cracker of a kit and didn't even think about it, Sam. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, the other thing that I, I really love is football has these kind of weird things, right? He needed a goal in general. Yeah. He's got all this pent up shit going on. Mm-hmm. All this stuff's happening, and it wasn't some like. He kicked it against someone's chest. It bounced back no. off his shoulder. No. He fell over. That was a solid in. fuck the world Yeah, goal. he was like, I fucking got it! <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, I believe he said, fuck you, Russia, as he was kicking it. <laughs> yeah. um, I fuck think that, Putin! Damn! Uh! I, I think that this match, uh, going back to the teams in particular, both of these teams, and we'll end on this, I feel like this is exactly the result that West Ham needed. It lets them know they're still in the hunt. Mm-hmm. There's still an opportunity. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen with Chelsea and who really trusts anything about Tottenham or um, or um, Man United. So there's a chance it could be you in third and West Ham in fourth. It is not out of the possibility. No, absolutely not. Absolutely and, not and that th- this could happen. This entire weekend's results were probably the worst case scenario for Spurs. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Agreed. Now, um, Mel, yes. Oh, I just have one quick thing that yes, I found to be astounding. I love listening to the commentating team. Mm-hmm. And here is a direct quote with, well, <laughs> pull up the right sheet. With cat like reflexes, Martinez denies Zuma. <laughs> It may be premature, but a few clubs at the bottom half got big wins that pull themselves away from the bottom and relegation fight. Leeds 2, Norwich 1, Brentford 2, Burnley 0, Newcastle 2, Southampton 1, Chelsea 1, Newcastle 0. We've got eight games to cover and we're almost at an hour, so we already we got to kind of get through this quickly. Um, Easy doors. Ban- Banford is such a huge difference. The minute you put him on the pitch, it's... You got the guy holding up play. You got the guy distributing the ball to the wings. Well, that's it. Is this that we're doing these together, right? Both <laughs> both games. Uh, well, we're just no, no, no. We're just doing Leeds Norwich. Le- okay. The other Leeds match will be in uh, Oso. I got you. Well, because the the point I want to make about it together is mm-hmm. that Villa he came on as a sub, and it was his first game back for a while. Huh. Right. This and, game, and he McGinn, looked... And McGinn fouled him within 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Took a yell out. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> that tracks. Oh, hold on. <laughs> Ang- angry Scotsman beat someone. Oh, shocker. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, but so that was just the only point from that. Was that I think it was a little too soon for him to really affect the game. Right. Where here, he looked sharp. Yeah. Uh, the first goal, especially from Rodrigo where it was his run that created the space for Dan James and Rodrigo to occupy. Uh, He took no less than three defenders with him when he made that run. They felt like they had to do something about (laughs) that run. They headed the ball. It was a weak header because they're running towards their own goal, trying to jump back towards that ball. Ball falls to Dan James. Kind of hits him on the hip, was a little unfortunate. 
and then Rodrigo was right behind him to pounce on the finish. It was fantastic. Leeds hit the bar three times, had loads and loads and loads of shots. And then and then it almost went to shit because that McLean end of the equalized. match, Jesus. McLean equalized, uh, which was wild. But then a, a pretty poor clearance. Gelhart, who's a local lad, mm-hmm. heads Had the ball to Rafinha. subbed on. Yeah, two minutes earlier or something. Yeah. And, and Norwich, is, it wasn't like this, you know, 78th or 82nd minute. We're talking right on the stroke of 90. Yeah, this was the 90 to the 94th minute. As the, the, the fourth official was lifting the board to show six minutes of yeah. stoppage time, Norwich equalized. You're yep. like, fuck. But six minutes is a long time. Mm-hmm. And Leeds, were, they didn't let their heads drop. That's the most important piece. They didn't let their heads drop. They said, we got the time to do this. We can do this. And it only took them three and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, they did almost fuck it off at the end again, Team Mupuki, uh, shooting straight at Meslier. But he got to it, and it was fine. Caught it fairly comfortably. Mm-hmm. But um, but Rafinha, what quick feet. Yep. Gets past the, the, the other defender. I, I forget who it was. Gets past the goalkeeper. And you were like, shit. It looks like it's too far in front of him caught up to the ball and was able to cut Perfect it back, back to Gelhart, who passed the ball to him in the first place with the header. Mm-hmm. Local lad, young boy. Puts it in the back of the net. Puts it in the back of the net, and Ellen Road erupts like yeah. they just secured a European place It's again. almost like the soccer god just looked at it and went, we can't let this happen it to was him. Not brilliant. today. Not today. It was not br- in this moment. Not today, Satan. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, it was brilliant. Moving on to the next one. Um, Burnley, for the third time in a row, have an opportunity to get out of relegation. All they had to do was get a point. They can't manage to get the point. No, they didn't. Uh, it was a fun watch, though. Both teams did go for it, but they lacked the requisite quality to score, really. Um, Brentford did have the better of the chances on target. But again, both keepers did play very well in this game. Not to say that Burnley didn't have as many shots. I mean, they, they did shoot the ball a fair amount. There were a lot of blocks in there. Um, but there were a lot of crosses that were cut out by the goalkeeper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they don't really register as quote-unquote chances, even though they were there to be hit. I know you want to uh, talk about Erickson, so please, let's do that real quick. It just, what is, he was dead. Yeah. <laughs> now he's not. Yeah. He took a, a Pretty much a year off almost from playing yeah. football, eight months or whatever it was, and just the ability of the man to, with his with his wrong foot as well, yeah, yeah. to just spray passes around and, <laughs> and affect a game, and it's just it's. I lovely. mean, looked exactly like the guy we knew from Spurs. Yeah, that, like ball pokes right out to him, boom, puts it right away. It's just like, lovely. Like, yeah, you can't beat it, and I think he may be the single most important signing of the season. And he is going to rescue Brentford from being relegated. Uh, because they were on a shit trajectory. And all of a sudden, especially the last two games, he's affected play to a point where Brentford picked up six points where they would have probably only gotten one. Yeah. It's now fair to say Ivan Tony's the best penalty taker in the world. Right now, in this moment, he's the best. He hasn't missed yet this season, yeah. has he? No, there's no one. There's no one better. There's no one better. And what's so beautiful about it is it's the most simplest way of taking a penalty it Ever. goes the same way every time, and every. nobody can save it still. And and <laughs> and somehow, here's the thing: there's pace behind it. So somehow, when he does his little hockey stick thing, where all he does is walk up to the ball, move his leg back about you know a foot, and then go through it, 
it's a rocket. Mm-hmm. It's a rocket off of his foot. There's no pants off, dance off. There's no fucking silliness. He just walks right up, puts it in the back of the fucking net, and walks away. And yeah. um, for for Burnley, for Burnley. Now we'll get on to my team soon enough. This Burnley starting to feel a lot like Fulham of last year. Uh-huh. You have been given and more, less, less exciting though. More than enough opportunities to get yourself out of trouble, and every time it's been handed to you, you have fucked it off. Everybody's going, oh, Dyche knows how to do this. Dyche knows how to do this. Dyche has normally been out of trouble by now, yep. figuring out a way to stay up, not in trouble trying to get out of it. Correct. I really don't feel good about Burnley's chances. Yeah, I... I and that's not just me being an Evertonian. That's me just looking at it whole going, you had three fucking chances. Good, good chances to get yourself out of the, in your... At, fucking it at off. The, at the end of the day, I would probably think still. <clears throat> Partially, I think, because I can't accept the fact that Everton might actually go down. Yeah. But I think the relegation zone is going to stay as is. There may be a little bit of movement here and there, but ultimately, the last day of the season, when the final whistle blows and the dust settles, I think the three that are there now are the three that are going down. I, I tend to agree with you. Um. That being said, you may have a heart attack on the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to. I'm going <laughs> Until to. then. Um, uh, trust me, there's going to be some real, real thoughts here in the, in the in the final segment. Newcastle, let's talk about both of these matches kind of collectively. Gut check comeback for uh, Newcastle, considering they went down. They could have easily just gone, okay, today's not our day. Let's piss it off. And they figured out a way to fucking come back. Chris Wood finally gets a goal, which was big. <laughs> yeah. There was another funny one about him uh, in the midweek. Yep. Where they said, you haven't lost a game in a Newcastle shirt yet. And then he touched his chest. And he goes, mm. touch wood. <laughs> Which is how the British say, and apparently also New Zealanders say, knock on wood. Would right. be here. Touch what, wood. What we say, they say touch, touch wood. wood. So he touched his chest and said, oh. touch wood. Um, <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> good, solid win. Um, fucking... Southampton doing what Southampton does. They play these amazing round of games and then they fuck off for three weeks. The yeah. last three matches, also. they've looked like shit. And it's like, how can we figure out this team? Like, it's just impossible. But the other thing that's good, too, for Newcastle, from a Newcastle perspective, is you had Joe Willock playing very, very well. Mm-hmm. Picked up a little bit of a knock, wasn't in. Uh, Gimaresh gets his first goal for the club as well. Gorgeous goal. It was amazing. Gorgeous goal. Um, so, and then they've got, you know, Sam Maximon still doing mm-hmm. his thing up front. They still, you know, all of these different things are going very, very well for Newcastle. VAR sees what VAR wants to see. That was a fucking penalty in, in, in Chelsea and uh, yeah, Newcastle. It, it was. It was absolutely hands down 100% a penalty. Had a handful of jersey and was kicking him as he was going down. It was a fucking penalty. Well, and and one could even debate Kai Havertz shouldn't have even been on the pitch to score the winner because came in pretty fucking violent, and that could have been a red. Yes, I, I I agree with the yellow, but that could have been a red. Yeah, I would I would have not have if they had given him a red for that. I wouldn't have gone. I didn't see it. I'd be like, yeah, he came in pretty fucking high, and so. One, one of the punditry lines that I, I heard over over the weekend and this morning uh, that I thought was very poignant and funny is if you make Dan Byrne bleed, that has to be against the rules, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
Oh, that that was like the two tallest human beings ever colliding. Well, yeah. right? like, <laughs> exactly. Like, you remember Jan Kohler? Yeah. The uh, the old Czech player that was six seven or some yes. shit, just yes. by a bald guy, just tower over everybody, scored yeah. a boatload of goals. But he used to play up front with uh, Milan Baros for the yes. uh, Czech Republic. Very. That's <laughs> two of the tallest players ever colliding. Yeah. <laughs> just. Um, you get Peter Crouch in there, just have a good old time. <clears throat> uh, Newcastle's done what they needed to do. They're they're safe. Yeah, it was unfortunate this game the in in microcosm should have been a draw, but uh, been a draw. other than that, yes, and you can't escape that that Kai Havertz goal was brilliant. Oh, it was great. Goal. That touch was fantastic. Great goal. Quick the, the, feet again. Your, and your then, only question is is why is he on the pitch? Because he maybe shouldn't have been. No, he absolutely shouldn't have been. I and, completely agree with that. Point. And do they get that goal if they were down one nothing? Because they should have been down one nothing. Because. There should have been a penalty. That was a fucking penalty. That was not as bad as the Everton handball against Man City, but that was absolutely if that was Lachelle's pulling on um Havertz, that's a fucking penalty. Or Lukaku, yeah. That's that's called a penalty. It's absolutely called a penalty. Well, really really, this this game didn't deserve a result because <laughs> the first eighty five minutes of it were trash. Yeah, agreed. They were garbage. The right. last five minutes were amazing. The first 85 were fucking pitiful, which is why we haven't talked about it other than two instances. <laughs> Chelsea's getting points, but there's good points and there's points. And Chelsea is just getting points. I also want to tout a little conspiracy theory. Heard. Arsenal would have pulled within... Pretty close distance to Chelsea, especially having the game in hand against them. Yeah. Well, VAR didn't give Newcastle that pen. Didn't send off Kai Havertz. They keep Arsenal down a bit. You don't get to take my documents. Oh, I get to do what I want to do. They're my okay? documents. The documents are the people, Sam. No, no. They're the people's. No. Anybody can use them. No, it's you. <laughs> it's you and your global elitist at the pro Arsenal agenda. <laughs> Forced vaccinations of take the jab VAR satire, tips. Satire. 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 Satire alert. This is satire fucking YouTube. It is you trying to make it about you. Pro Arsenal agenda. It's all about me. I know exactly what you're fucking doing. You don't get to have it. It's mine. The misery what we, is all what do, mine. What do we call ourselves? We are exposed. We are in public view. Yeah, because we're not anonymous. Right. <laughs> so what? Exactly. <laughs> Riding out the rest of the league, you know, so that happened. Wolverhampton 4, Watford 0, Chelsea 3, Norwich 1, Aston Villa 3, Leeds 0, Liverpool 2, Brighton 0, Wolverhampton 1, Everton 0, Watford 2, Southampton 1. We have got to be quick about this. Yeah, this uh, Wolves 4, Watford 0, right? That's the first one? Um, yeah. Here's the. It was a combination of two things. Watford made mistakes that made it very easy for Wolves to score, and Wolves also dominated. It yeah, just... yeah. <laughs> and so what? The, literally, I had I had two sentences, three sentences for this one. I said, "This is what I thought was coming against Palace two weeks ago because I can't let it go." Right. <laughs> Wolves dominated in every sense. All the <laughs> goals were decent or better than decent. Good game for them. And that's it. And and. And here's the sad part. Still a good week for Watford when we get on to their well, last game. Yeah. Ends up being a good week for them. So that loss, not the end of the world, right? Absolutely. Um, uh, 
it took a lot of time for Chelsea to get past Norwich. It did. A, a very a lot time. more than it but should have. If you're having your local neighborhood friendly <laughs> oligarch uh, be sanctioned uh, 12 hours before, this is what's really weird about this whole situation is all of the shit that happens against Chelsea. Yeah. Right? Because of their owner has happened on game days. <laughs> Yeah. Like, time your PR and announcements better. Right. And that comes both from Abramovich himself and the UK government. It's like, what are you people yeah, doing? <laughs> Announce that shit two days prior. Let the guys have a chance to, you know, train and, and get their mind right. Um, but this is if your local neighborhood friendly oligarch has something happen, you know, not in his favor that also hurts your football club. Norwich away is the exact place you want to go. You get away from the London press. And you have a pretty easy day out. Yeah. For the most part. Now, um, moving on to Leeds and Villa. Um, we already kind of talked about Leeds as a whole. This thumping by Villa, because that's what it was. Villa fucking thumped them. Um, for Villa, it was an interesting week. Because you know you're good enough to be in the top 10. You know you're good enough to be there. But then that loss to West Ham kind of lets you know, like we talked about with Wolves, you're not quite there yet. Or that's a West Ham problem. <coughs> we haven't beaten them since May 2015. Mm. Every time we've seen them, we've lost five times and tied three. Um, we just can't seem to beat West Ham. Like we beat Leeds Asses! What? Yeah, you, you dominated them. You absolutely dominated them. And of course, it was just very funny. Bamford comes on the pitch, and the minute Bamford comes on the pitch, fucking, um, uh, hey, Mel, you should pay attention to Mr. Graham. He's trying to pass you beers. Um, oh, thank you, Graham. That means you should pass one to me. Do I have to? I might really like it. Yeah, well, you need to pass it to me. Anywho, the idea there is... Villa's at that point. Like, you can tell, like, they're ready. Whereas, and I'll, and I'll use them as the comparison, honestly, because it's the very easy comparison to make. Um, Villa is starting to hit that Everton status, huh. where you're right at that moment, not what Everton it's is right now. It's reverse Everton. Right, where Everton is just outside. They're starting to punch their way in. You can see this with both Villa and with Wolves, because Wolves had to kind of rechange who they were as a club. Both of those clubs, they're on the outside. They're looking in, but there's they're starting to punch. They're starting to get their way in there. These are teams that next season, I'm very bullish on being sixth, seventh, eighth place right in the discussion. Because especially if Chelsea and Manchester United want to just, you know, Chelsea wants to fuck off because of all of their problems and United wants to go into fucking obscurity. There's clubs that are ready to take over and teams like Villa and Wolves are those clubs, man. They're ready to step right in. Yeah, absolutely they are. Um, they weren't, but then <coughs> something clicked with all the players at their clubs because mm -hmm. if if Wolves could figure out how to score goals, they'd be pushing for top four right now. Oh, God, yes. Um, God, that's. Yes. That's the the one key that they're missing, and, and a lot of that was down to Raul Jimenez and that injury sustained against Arsenal last year. Agreed. He came back, and and really there was one piece of play in in their game, um, in the win I believe it was, where Raul Jimenez actually I think it might have been against y'all in the one nil, 
where he cut in from the left-hand side between two players, dragged <coughs> down what looked like John Joe Kenny, maybe, mm-hmm. and then had a rifle that Jordan Pickford saved it. Yeah. But he had the, a big potential to get hammered on both sides by Everton players. <coughs> Six weeks ago, two months ago. He just stepped off that. He just shied away from that. Cha- he would have just yeah. put in a cross. Yeah. He wouldn't have tried to do what he did. And I think we're starting to see him gain his confidence back because not only do you have to come back from an injury, <laughs> right? You have to regain your fitness. You have to do all that kind of stuff. An injury like he sustained, like Aaron Ramsey's broken leg against Stoke, you know, those mm-hmm. sorts of injuries that are very impactful to your career, that you need surgery to repair and all that kind of stuff. <coughs> you have to trust your body again. You have to get over, literally over the 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 PTSD basically of that to be able to to trust and have confidence that you're going to be able to withstand a blow again and that particular play showed that I think he's starting to get over that and I think Wolves are going to turn a corner here a bit very good um, because I think he'll be back to scoring goals again all right so on to the next one with Liverpool Brighton Brighton very simply put we talked about it last week they're beginning their descent right they're going to be safe they're going to be fine yep and when there is the opportunity to discuss it, I think there's a bigger discussion to be had. We're not going to have it right now. What I do want to say about Liverpool, they're winners of eight straight, and the thing that was hurting them last season, they have this season. They have depth. Next man up, go fucking get it done. And it's showing. And they made the right signings. They brought in the right people. <laughs> yeah. It's just fucking working. I so I've said this about Arsenal a few times and having the unlucky position that like Watford started to look good right before they played Arsenal again. Right. That that new manager bump for some of the shit clubs, you know, mm-hmm. always happens against us. Well, when he first signed on, Luis Diaz didn't look particularly good like he fit in really with the Liverpool squad. Eh, scored two in in two games running now. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. We play them on Wednesday. Great. <laughs> Also, Diego Jota has been used as a substitute. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. He'll be fresh. <laughs> so it's just like, again, we have to overcome this. We're going to find our form right before you guns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not ex- not we're going to figure it out right when we're getting ready to yeah. play Arsenal. But Because I was really excited about this particular <laughs> performance. I mean, Brighton, like you say, are on a normal slide. But Liverpool looked very leggy in this game. Yeah. Salah and Mane didn't look particularly happy with each other on more than one occasion. Mm-hmm. And now we have to play him. And of course, Luis Diaz looks like a fucking boss. Uh, we're going to flip-flop these last two games. First, we're going to talk about Watford beating Southampton. Um, Watford are now even on points with Everton. The but. big difference is goal differential. <laughs> big difference. Big it's difference like what, in goal differential. A 20-goal swing or something right. like that? And, and Everton and Watford still have to play each other in a game in hand, which will become a game in hand this weekend when Everton plays in the FA Cup it'll become a game in hand because they were supposed to play Watford on Sunday. Saints are odd, man. They're just fucking odd. Yeah. Like, this is... Why didn't you win this game? Why didn't you win... It's it's in your building and... Well, really, because Cucho's on fire. And they can't get out of their own way. Why didn't you win this game? I'll tell you why. Cucho's opener (coughs) was a result of four Southampton players thinking they were at training. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, fair enough. Two, two, count them, soft back passes. Yeah. One that was intercepted, they recovered from, 
passed it into the middle again. Yep. Then another soft back pass with Cucho jumped on, rounded Fraser Forster, and put it in the back of the net from an acute angle. It's yeah. just, what are you doing? At some point, just clear the fucking ball. <clears throat> All right, let's go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room. Yep. I can definitively say the following. It is a four-horse race for relegation, and Everton Football Club is solidly in that four-horse race. It's not even up for debate. It's what it is. This is one that I thought Everton could get, especially considering despite the 4 nothing win at Watford, Wolves were losers of three straight before that game against Watford. And you would have thought they had worn themselves out a little bit against Watford and that Everton had had a full week to rest. And, and a full week of training. And what happened was, is Everton played decent first half hustle football but couldn't put anything on target and then legitimately Wolves came out in the second half got three free kicks real quick in the first 10 and the third one ball didn't get cleared well enough came back in boom goal how's your father game's over it's done it's it was done after that there was no answer from Everton now for me as a supporter, I am very bullish on us staying up because we play Watford and we play Burnley. It's in their building. They're both away from home, yeah. But we play both of them. We have still two games in hand on top of those two. And we will start to play teams that will not care. Yeah. We will have games against teams that will not care, that it will not matter what's going on in their world. I will but, be concerned about the rest of your running is difficult. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. There's I, definitely tough matches. I would also be concerned at the lack of goals. Every which four, way. Four without a goal. Well, four in a row without a goal is very just, scary. Just that is every way that you could possibly miss in this game, you did. Yeah. A scuff shot, a shank shot, a shot to the side netting that should have been on target. Mm -hmm. You hit the post, you hit the crossbar, header straight at the keeper. Shot straight at the keeper. I had her in the shot. corner. In the corner. Yeah. Right in the corner. Yeah. It was ultimately off sides. Literally, yeah. literally, any way that you <laughs> could miss a shot, you missed a shot. Mm -hmm. The performance itself was okay. You played some decent football. You created some chances. Yeah. But you literally, it's like, what? what is it, Murphy's Law? Anything that can go wrong will go mm -hmm. wrong. And once they scored, it was over. It was over after that. Yep. There was nothing we it's could a, do You after thought that. there was, what, what's the old thing when you can't buy a basket and basketball? Oh, what do they got? Saran wrap on top of the hoop? Yep. It's what it, it felt it's like. It's like it was covered with plexiglass, the goal. It was fucking ridiculous. Um, Jose Saad did make a couple of really good saves. Oh, that was early on. Yeah. He made a couple of great saves. I mean, and y'all were on top for decent stretches in this game. Yeah. I don't All first fault, half. I don't really, All first half. I don't really fault the performance. But you gotta finish. You have to finish. Well, we handle we have to be able to handle adversity. Well, yeah. Richarlison goes to the slump every year. You you <laughs> account for that by having Dominic Cavalloon consistently hitting goals in. Yeah. Dominic Cavalloon has been injured. So you haven't been consistently hitting goals yeah. in without Richarlison doing it. Yeah. Then Richarlison was injured also. Yeah. So his season, as disjointed as it normally is, was even more disjointed. And I don't hold anything against Rashardlison. He's been. Playing, I, I don't either. Like that match, you could tell he's just he's trying everything. Like he's he's putting everything he has into it. It's just it's not going in the back of the fucking net. In retrospect, the manager change was made probably six weeks too late. 
And oh, I God, was yeah. I was banging the drum for give Raf a time. Right. Because of a lot of the injuries, especially to the spine of the team with DeCorey. Right. You know, all that kind of stuff. DeCorey had a terrible match. But I think I think that the the coaching change was probably <laughs> made six weeks too late if you're gonna bring someone in. Because now you're at the fucking crunch time, yeah? Yeah. Now you have to get it done. Then I also begrudge uh for you the decision to bring in Frank Lampard himself. Relatively inexperienced. Agreed. Never really been in a relegation battle because he managed Chelsea and Darby, who were already in a playoff position. He right. just kept them there. Yeah. Uh, then lost the playoffs. Yeah. So that's why. I, that's why I also wonder why didn't we just? I mean, Roy the boy. Uh, no, I I like. I'm not against the appointment of Frank, but why not just like I said early on when Rafa got let go? Why not just have Dunk see it out? Yeah. Because there would have at least been some Had, did, resolute. Didn't Duncan, didn't Duncan win a game? <clears throat> uh, no, he lost one nothing to Villa, and that was it. That was. Oh, but it was a good performance. Got. Yeah, Frank Lampard has only won one game, and it was at home. He's lost no. all of his away games. This 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 game, if it was Dunk on the bench, this would have been a no no draw. Yeah, that's what it would have been, and so, it's, and it's a point that Everton needed. Right, absolutely. So needed. what I'm saying though is, is somebody like Alan Pardew, somebody like Roy the Boy. You do a six-month contract, right? <clears throat> and you do steady the fucking ship, keep us up, end the story. People like that, do it. Yeah. With a lot less implications than Big Sam. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Which you've already tried. Yeah. So I, I think there were... Lo talk to Frank in the summer when he has a whole summer to work with the team. Yeah. Bringing Frank in, you know, end of January, whatever it was, I think it may have been too late. I worry for y'all. I really do. It's it's like when Batman got mortally wounded yeah. in Superman versus Batman. I don't like it. Yeah. Well, you're not Superman. You're not one of the elite. Well, you're like Batman. Well, and <laughs> you and could die. Batman's but he won't. better anyways. Batman won't die. It's a bit and of a story arc. I'm I'm still bullish on us staying up because again, it it talked to me after Watford and Burnley, and then I'll let you know how I feel. All I right. will say if we don't get three against Newcastle. Or hell, if we don't get one against Newcastle, that'll hurt. That'll hurt a lot, I mean, especially at home. You know what sucks? We're primarily a comedy <clears throat> show, right? I mean, we we like to talk shit and we like yeah. to banter and bullshit. I genuinely don't want to see you go down. It's a very difficult position for me to be in. Yeah. I am expected to make jokes about this. Right. But I know how much it hurts you. Yeah. I can see it when we speak. Yeah. <laughs> like, it sucks. But I have to make jokes about it at the same time for the purposes of the show. That's fine. You get to make jokes. I've been given the directive of no jokes. Um, I just don't listen to directives because no. I'm not letting him tyrant me. Uh, Graham, she <laughs> she's uh, go behind the curtains here. Um, after the match was over, she was starting to kind of talk about it. She was like, well, I don't know how to feel. It would be funny if you went down. But it also, I don't want you to go down. But it would be funny if you went down. And I went, did you hear me? say one bad word about your team when you were struggling to stay up. Was I supportive? And she went, yes. And I went, it's not even up for fucking discussion. Not even up for fucking discussion. Yeah. Then he it's slammed not the door and Stop broke the frame. Well, so that's why I talk about the games and the situation. <laughs> Is that before or after I struck you? <gasps> not funny. Well, I just well. claim that I slammed the door shut. We might as well go the full fucking Monty. Ah! Oh, Satire. You know Mel, Satire. Mel's new nickname is Roku. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> so that's why I try to take the the performances, the results, the the football side of it, actually in X's and O's, which we don't normally do. Yeah. And then I compare you to Batman, who is the only superhero that if he were to get arrested, would just have to do his time. Yeah. Third. <laughs> he All couldn't right. break out of a jail cell. All right. Time for me to do my Malort <laughs> shot, and then we got to get this show done. It's going to be a fucking over an hour and a half. We're just an hour 30 now. Fuck me. Hour 24, 25. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> get it in. Good, good, good news. Next week is only seven games, so we'll yeah. still manage to make that a fucking hour and a half hour as well. 15. You almost um, dropped your phone on top of everything else. I we got you some like sticky gloves. I'm bullish. We got this shit up the fucking toffees. Yeah. Fuck you, my lord. Up to 16th. Sure money. Oh, that was funny. Um, all right. This is sure money. This is the segment in which we make bets to better inform you on your bets because we are so pragmatic and conservative and smart. <coughs> yeah. I lost. I lost too. I'm now down 181 after actually winning my bet last week. If you didn't see the Facebook Live, I had in my mind I bet real money at the casino on Wolves to beat Palace. I convinced myself that was also in my D football show rant. It was not. Uh, so I actually hit my bet. Nice. I lost my real money bet. I hit the show bet. Yes. So I came up to negative $81. <laughs> and uh-huh. then I promptly lost this bet because I pimped all my chances on Tottenham. And so my cup of losers says, fucking Tottenham, sad face. Heard. Pass that to Mel. Mel will put it in the cup of losers for you. Um, right there, so producer Mel. Before I get into what I'm going to do this weekend, Sammy, why don't you tell us what happened with you? Um, I missed because I went too big. Um, I shouldn't have done a three-game parlay. I should just kind of, kind of keep it. Simple, concise. It doesn't have to be big odds. Just keep chipping away at the lead because that's been working. Right. So I went big for the big, huge winner to make my total closer to yours, and I fucked it off. So for my Houston shits the bed. Very true. So (laughs) for my couple losers, I'm going to make a uh, very veiled uh, music reference that you will not get. Uh, Two out of three wrong is bad. Two out of three ain't bad. Oh my god, he got a music reference. Holy Is that, shit. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Is that Sonny? No. I'm joking. I know. I, who do you, I picked the most random person. I, can, uh-huh. I don't know who it is. You don't so know who I it is? So I picked the most random person that I knew it wasn't just to make you mad. <laughs> um, Meatloaf. Two out of yeah. three ain't bad. So two out of That's three why wrong. I said Sonny Bono. I was like, bad. yes, please. I missed two of the three. Not doing so well. I think you get points for being at least close. Well, it was the same relative era. They overlapped a bit. So I am down $829. Big Sam's Lock of the Week. Back to what it was a couple of weeks ago. Sam, 23.3. Isn't that the shirt? No, 27.9%. Damn it. Win this bet, you cut. It works 100% of the time. Back to reality. Got to chip away at the lead. And uh, Mr. Graham, this is... I'm going back to the old honey hole. Because if I miss this bet, if I miss this bet, I'm happy. And if I hit this bet, I make money. I'm going to take Liverpool to beat Arsenal over two and a half goals and Mo Salah to score. Mr. Graham, go get a draw. I'll do my best. Go get a draw. 
I'd love it. I'd I love hope for it to happen. My performance on Sunday can inspire the lads on Wednesday. <laughs> I would like to be down nine hundred and twenty nine dollars next week. Otherwise, you fucked it off. Okay. And now it's time for our degenerate gambling friend Pat's pick it a week. Did you just fart? <laughs> huh? What the fuck was that sound? Did you just fart? No, I'm I'm sitting on a leather couch. Uh- <laughs> That's everybody's excuse. Pat pooted. As soon as I admitted him. <laughs> what the fuck was that? I mean, it's no so what's going on in your world, but it's pretty damn good. Uh, uh, right. so how, how's your week been, my friend? Uh, sorry, I played some golf today. I was down your way, played Eisenhower. Oh, there oh, you go. Cool. How'd you like the no sand traps? Uh, well, they like replaced them with these huge grassy knolls or Have whatever the fuck you want to call them. Yeah, so apparently Eisenhower famously is owned by the county. Right. Sand it's traps. not called Eisenhower anymore, right? It's something no, else now? Uh, no, I think it's still Eisenhower. Okay. The, it's like the preserve at Eisenhower. Yeah, correct. Okay. I mean, uh, we Eisenhower drive by it every name. day. Yeah, they don't have signage up yet. Oh. <laughs> Too expensive to maintain sand traps, the county says. Mm-hmm. So they've replaced them with these about shoulder height mounds of wildflowers. Oh, pretty. Oh, so if no. the ball goes Ugly in there, it's fuck. like, you're not going to, that's it. You're no, like, it's that like, ball's lost. No, but like, I, so I played there last year, uh-huh. right, with uh, a guy in my division, Billy, and I accidentally hit one onto one of these next, on a, it was a par three, the mound was on the left, I th- want to say it was like 14, <laughs> maybe, something like that. I had to hit at my shoulder standing on ground level because the grade of the hill is like this. Okay. So you can't get up on it and hit. So, like, I had to chop at it from ground height in the club at shoulder height. Okay. It was fucking ridiculous. It's really weird to get used to. Anyway, sorry, we got sidetracked. No, it's fine. Yeah, no. I mean, it's it's a fine course, though. I mean, they made some big improvements. They just need a clubhouse. I mean, I don't know why they didn't build a clubhouse. They just still have a trailer. Yeah. Yeah, well, without bathrooms in it, (laughs) you know? (laughs) But Which whatever. is a shame because they used to have a clubhouse. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was looking at you going, um, we were in their clubhouse before they closed. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, um, it's like walk, it was like walking back into the 1970s, too. Like, fucking the, the, the white paint was brown with cigarette smoke. And, yeah, uh, get in. Yeah, you know, the carpet that, looked like a little nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, real quick, the fairways are excellent. Everything else about the course is brilliantly manicured from when I played there. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides that, Pat, real fast because we do we're running really long tonight. What uh, what did you shoot? Uh, I shot an eighty-seven with a triple and two bogey, two double bogeys. So you really kind of fucked a, off your seventy-six, didn't you? Uh, well, fucked off at least the low eighties, <laughs> but you know, whatever. It's winter time. I had like forty putts or something like that. It was fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it is tough to do frozen ground and all. All right, what do you got this week, my friend? Hey, and uh, tell Pat, us- real oh. quick. I just wanted to say real fast, just hearing that. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it was good. You know, last year I was playing some of the best golf, so it was getting. I was getting too used to having a chance at the seventies every single round, and I guess I'm. Just back where I started, you know, just take three months off and your game just goes to shit. I took two years off and my game went to shit. I understand (laughs) that very much. Um, All right, so what happened last week for your bet, and what do you got this week, my friend? Well, everybody, like, picked against me, you know. I think even the chicken took Tottenham. And, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I bet on Manchester United. They scored four goals to win 3-2, I believe. 
Yep. And, uh, yeah, so I won my bet up 800, you know, can't complain about that except that Tottenham lost, but I, 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 I don't know why they were favored. Like all the money was going on them and, and I, I don't understand why. And I think uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, he got a hat trick in that, right? He did have a hat trick. And much like for it, your golf score, Sam said, fuck you for this game. I'm going to say fuck you too. In, in terms <laughs> <of betting. laughs> all right. So this week uh, I've got, uh, I'm going to take uh, Arsenal over Aston Villa at plus 130. I like I'm that going bet. To- yeah, I'm going to put 200 to win 260, so hopefully I'll be over a grand. Oh, yeah, Bill week. is definitely winning. Okay. Well, have, I mean, is the chicken picking against me this week, too? Because I feel pretty confident in it. <laughs> no, chicken's no, no. not picking against you this week. Is, is, is Sammy picking against me? Is anybody picking against me? No, I'm picking with you. <laughs> I mean, oh, okay. I'm, I'm absolutely picking against you. Which but, terrifies me even more. But the fact that you just uh, bet on Graham's team means I'm an absolute winner. Yeah, I picked, I picked uh I picked Liverpool to beat Arsenal over two and a half with Salah to score. Yeah. Yeah, I heard. All of you yeah. are That's the weekday game though. All of you are cuts. <laughs> <Heard. laughs> All right, Pat. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week, bud. I, uh, I won't be sitting on my couch next week, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So all that's pretty good, you guys. Uh, but I have something better. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have a surefire three-way parlay. Arsenal to beat Villa. Check. Huh. Leicester to beat Brentford. Check. Mm-hmm. Liverpool to beat Watford. Check. All of that needs to happen for a resounding plus 365, which gets me into the black. Very good, very yep. good. What's well, I think that's uh, going to happen. Also, well, then um, the bird picked in there too. So the bird and uh, and Pat both picked in your uh, your three way parlay. Decent segment. Been over an hour and a half. God, I hope people stuck around for the chicken because it's the only redeeming quality of this show. <laughs> Well, Kitty missed on spuds and sits at 14 and 11. And so uh, I went up to the coop with some treats earlier to visit Rita and Penelope. And wouldn't you know it, Rita's cell phone pinged. It happened to be a Snapchat from Kitty. Kitty, of course, has Snap. I mean, Kitty's everywhere. Now, the first pick was a bottle of vodka and a couple of cans of Red Bull. Uh Uh-oh, Sam. So you know what the second pick was? It was a fox's tail. Oh, my goodness. It's obvious that Kitty is spending time with her former beau, and she clearly fancies Lester to beat Brentford. Oh, there you go, Sam. Part of your bet. Yep. So I got Pat and the chicken in favor with me, which means we're all losing. Yep, Yep. absolutely. Great. Uh, So, uh, you know... Since you are losing, it is very important for you to remember a very important cardinal rule. Gamble legally and responsibly. Championship corner! I'm falling, and I can't get up. Oh, no! The Steve Bruce bump continues as West Brom drew 2-2 with Huddersfield. Got the weekend started right on the Friday. Uh, however, ensues. <laughs> that osmosticized, uh, osmosis as a verb. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing. Uh, Fulham drew 1-1 with Barnsley the next day. 
Bournemouth. Bottom of the table, Barnsley. I know. Bournemouth beat Derby 2-0, which is unfucking fortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's all that matters. Blackburn lost one to Bristol City. Blackpool beat Swansea 1-0. Coventry 4-1 over Sheffield United, furthering the tightness for the playoff race. Right. Millwall and Borough, nil-nil. Uh, Middlesbrough, that is. Nottingham Forest uh, kind of trying to make that push for the uh, playoff spots. Beat Reading 4-0 which in terms of goal difference supremely helps Darby because Reading had another an extra minus two onto Darby's result, which is good to see. And the posh actually drew 2-2 with Stoke. On Sunday, we had QPR beaten Luton Town, which then gives us the table. Fulham up top, obviously, plus 59 goal differential on 77 points, 36 games played. Bournemouth in second, 65 points. Huddersfield in third on 63. QPR in fourth on 59. Blackburn in fifth on 58. Remember, Blackburn were sitting in second place, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. Uh, Sheffield United up to sixth in 50, on, on uh, 57 <laughs> points. Luton Town tied with them um, in seventh place on 57 points, but uh, two less in goal differential. Middlesbrough in eighth place on 56. Nottingham Forest now up to ninth on 55 points. Coventry on 54, Millwall on 54, Blackpool <coughs> and Preston North End both on 51. So there are loads of games in hand across the table. There are loads of goal differential implications across the table. And there are no less really <coughs> down to, I'd, I'd say 13th. Preston North End has an mm. outside chance to get into six. Also, they're uh, only six points behind. Sheffield United at the moment. Uh, Knotts and Borough, you might as well go ahead and give them another game in hand because they both have FA Cup this weekend as well. That's right. So yeah, yeah. And Forest already have a game in hand, and so they'll have two and approximately one thousand thirty-five point six more games to play. Right, yeah, something like that. Yeah, right around there. Close yeah. to close to. It's that, only yeah. a matter of time before they wrap up the season in the championship. Yeah, that's it, man. It's pretty fucking wild. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I mean, the one thing that seems to be almost guaranteed is it looks like Fulham's going to win the league. That yeah. seems pretty That obvious. seems about it. Everything else is is kind of <laughs> up for grabs, to be fair. I mean, go down to... Um, I don't know why it did that. That's weird. Go down to the bottom of the table, of course. Darby did slip back into 23rd place. Barnsley went up to 22nd, but they're only a point separating them. Reading is on 29. So you have Darby now five points uh, from safety, and Reading and Barnsley both do have a game in hand. Oh, that's scary. Which is not great. Um, so <laughs> Wayne Rooney's side kind of slipping a little bit the last couple weeks and could not take the chance that was in front of him when it was uh, presented. <coughs> um, but you'd hope sometime in the next 364 games that they'll be able to, to make up that difference. All right, that's going to wrap it up, boys and girls. Mr. Graham, any parting words? Not really, other than stop chanting Roman Abramovich during Ukrainian pregame displays. That'd be nice. <laughs> Very good. Um, Mel, was there anything from the uh, peanut gallery tonight? No, nothing at all. Very good. Well, that's going to go ahead and uh, call it a night for a very fucking long show. Uh, good news. Next week's only seven games. so We'll find it a way to make it an hour 25 yeah, instead. Exactly. Next up is injury time, where we're going to preview the weekend's action. We're also going to preview the uh, FA Cup as well. And we're going to talk about the beers we were drinking. And we're checking on all of our adopted clubs. 
If somebody wanted to check out Injury Time, Sam, how did they go about doing it? www.patreon.com backslash D football show. Sign up to our one sexy little $5 tier. You get two extra shows, Sound Check and Injury Time. Sound Check, obviously, our pre-show uh, where we actually check our sound to catch up on the weekend uh, in our personal lives, as well as Injury Time, which is the preview show of the upcoming Premier League weekend. We check in, as Sam said, on all of our foreign clubs that we kind of hold near and dear to our hearts. We so, may also um, spill two beers and drop shit off tables and uh, wreck our entire studio. And have to pause, have to restart, have to... <coughs> I also sometimes do fun things with the beers, like today. Uh, if you're not from Maryland, which a lot of people that listen to us are not, I did a seasonal uh, anomaly that we like to call Third Winter. Ah, very good. Uh, in my beer selections. Cheeky. I like it. Third winter. <laughs> Which what we had this weekend. <laughs> we we wake up to 35 degrees. Yeah. yeah. 32 degrees in some spots. Snow still on the ground from Saturday. Midday is about 60. Mm. <laughs> and then this evening is about 48. Well, the week, <laughs> the week before we had um 80 degrees. And then the following weekend, snow. Yeah. Snow. Remember, our winter started with <coughs> legitimately seven degrees on Saturday and then five inches of snow on Sunday. Yeah. Just so as a quick just generalized preview, just to let you know, the first beer we'll be drinking, which would taste great on a thirty three degree morning, is the breakfast stout by RAR. Lovely. Then I had a, a blacker the berry uh fruited IPA. For the midday, which would Fabulous. be probably delightful at about 70 degrees outside. It really would be. Then I've got a single malt uh, barrel-aged ale for That'd the evening. That'd great at 40 degrees. With a fire outside. <laughs> Love it. So I did third winter in a beer selection <laughs> for today's show. All right. So, uh, and as always, uh, Patreon just a great way to keep the lights on here. It... Um, Honestly, it helps pay the bills. It makes it very easy for us to continue to put out content. And um, we appreciate all the help. And you can also check out our DU Drip Shack, where you can get uh, DU football shirts, Pro Arsenal Agenda. You can get uh, hashtag bants, all kinds of fun stuff. And uh, until next week, everybody. Good night. Fucking new button!